every business decision we've made, we've made on using prayer and considering, you know, service is a big deal in our church, serving our community and serving each other. Danae was talking about what were you saying earlier about when you're when you're doing right? I think people don't think about this very often, but when you are running a business and you run the business for the right reason, the right way, especially when you're divinely inspired to do it. And I think a lot of people are and don't even realize it. When they have a passion and they feel a calling to do something, that's the spirit guiding them to do that that business or that service and and to fill that role in society. So running a business can absolutely help you understand God a little better and help you create a, a closer relationship with him and help a lot of people along the way. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, positive, um, creative process that building a business can be. This is the Farm Hop Life Podcast, a traveling homestead family. I'm Matt DeRosier. On the Farm Hop Life podcast, we learn what it takes to grow your own food from everyday people. Could be a college student who grows tomatoes and salad greens on their apartment patio, a former VP of marketing for Del Taco now raising cattle in Montana, or someone who hasn't had a homestead in over 10 years. This show is aimed at teaching you what it takes to make homesteading work for you, that we all make mistakes, we all have bad days, but we can reach out and help one another thrive in giving you the confidence needed to go feed yourself. I'm assuming Emily, you're the one with the, you're the one in the white T-shirt. Yes, that's okay. me. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> uh, and and next to you are uh, your business partners. Yep, this is Danae. She's the cinnamon queen, as you'll see her in the post. She's cinnamon queen. I'm Chief Rooster. I'm the social media manager, and this is Eric Valdez, her husband, and he's boss man. Uh, you guys are in Missouri, then. Yes. Yes. Give me, give me a little bit of background on uh, what you guys, like what your experience has has been like individually. I mean, obviously, I, w- I think all of us are probably old enough to remember a time when that was pretty common. I spent lots of summers on grandparents' farms. Uh, I've done plenty of stuff like that growing up, plucking chickens, um, you know, slaughtering hogs, things like that. I grew up mainly in rural Arkansas. And my parents moved around a lot, but spent a lot of time in Arkansas and Kentucky. So I just grew up rural and um, got older, life got it, got in the way, but I'm wanting to get back to doing the whole homesteading thing. So, Though, did your parents get away from that then? And then you're getting back into it on your own? Yeah. Oh, my parents were OG hippies. And when I say OG <laughs> hippies, I mean, we lived in a log cabin in the forest in the 80s. And wow, naked. We were feral children and we were homeschooled until the fourth grade. Like I didn't even go to public school. So we were extremely feral. I lived my whole life outdoors after my parents split. My mother moved to the city. And so we grew up in the city. I went on to school and college and I had kids and, you know, we've been sort of living the city life, but I didn't grow up that way. And so I, you know, I'm wanting to get back to the feral life really. Yeah, sure. Matt, I appreciate the question because we just learned something about Emily. <laughs> I was going to ask, did your parents send you to school naked too? Once they or the school at all? I didn't go to school until the fourth grade. So. Yeah, until fourth grade. Yeah. In fourth grade, did they send you to school naked too? Because it's like, well, we just never bothered with clothes. They didn't. No. Oh, well, you can. 
big heaven for small favors, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. All right. What about you guys? You well, I mean, if you think that's a great story, you should hear the cat castration story. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. All right. Oh boy. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, so my dad had this um dream to live out in the country and um so when my mom died my mom was always very city person she loved art and culture and stuff like that so the moment she passed he decided he's moving us all to the country so like within a couple months we were in the country he decided he was a farmer and um so uh he got we ended up with pigs and hogs and we had a ton of cats, a ton of cats. Imagine this, only half an acre. And it seems like a lot if you're living in the city. If you're out in the country, you've got a bunch of animals. So it really isn't a lot of, you know, we had a big garden. And um, yeah, it was a, a little crazy. So we had, my dad decided that he wanted to castrate our cat and um, himself. Okay, because he was making a lot of babies. A lot. Okay. And uh, so he called the vet up and asked him how it's done. You know, this is pre, you know, Google. And uh, <laughs> so over the phone, he told my dad how to do it. So we're all, what was this, Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or something? No, I think it was Christmas Day. Christmas afternoon. We're all pinning this cat down. So then I could castrate the cat. Okay. And evidently my poor siblings, we were talking about this the other day because they're a little shocked that we're doing this. You know, they're like, he has so much PTSD about <laughs> animals growing up. And they were telling me how my dad would have the my sisters help him castrate the pigs, the piglets. And I'm just like, me. <laughs> Him off after the cat. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, it just there. So the fact I'm here, right here, talking about, and that we have actual chickens and even actual pigs. Yeah. And um, uh, you know, and that uh, let's just say I've come a long way. <laughs> have you tried castrating uh, a chicken yet? No, there shall be no castrating. I was going to say, good luck. LLC. We will ask a professional <laughs> if we ever need that person. Highly recommend it. We're pretty do it yourself, but we're not proud to do it yourself. <laughs> Probably better just to sell the chicken. Yeah, literally anything else. Uh, yes, exactly. All right. Go what, ahead. What about your background? Yeah, so um, so I actually started my life my my life in Southern California, and but both of my parents were from the country. Uh, so as time went on, they ended up getting a, a two acre, a small two acre lot um, in Chino, California. Uh, we had we had horses and chickens and um, a few other animals that were there, and then a few later years later, we we moved to a forty acre ranch that was out in um, Arkansas. And so there it grew to cattle um, uh, along with the horses and the chickens. And we had rabbits at some point, a couple of billy goats, I remember. 
we had 21 dogs at one point sitting on the property. Cause, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, well, what happened was we had small, we had these small Boston Terriers and this Collie that were kind of like the inside dogs and they had a fenced area. But then we had a German Shepherd that we kind of, that we adopted. And then we ended up adopting the two hounds from next door from people that just, that left their dogs around and then cops started. And next thing you know, we had 21 dogs on our rant. So um, we did give some away <laughs> um, and whatnot. So, but yeah, so we would, um, you know, we had a couple of horses that, you know, helped my dad break. Um, but there, and we had, you know, huge gardens um, on a regular basis. And then um, as time went on, as I got older and I was, I was breaking away from all of that. Um, I was very much into the country scene. Danae knew that when we met. Um, and then it got to the point where, our lives just kind of changed where we just had to be in the city to, you know, do our schooling and, and just, you know, cause we're just start starting off in life and, and didn't know how to do certain things to be able to stay in the country and not have extra expenses and start raising a family. So, uh, we've actually, so then we reached the point where, um, we we're finally able to, um, get to the point where we could have some land and, uh, here we are, um, things are just starting to build. Excellent. I like, I like that you each kind of had like your own little journey from like, I mean, way back when, and you all kind of like came together now. And so you guys know each other through church. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, we sure do. Um, and Danae, Danae and I have owned a few different businesses over the years. And, and out of all those things we do, I could share with you right now, Emily's like the best business partner oh, we've ever had. Cause we've had a we, few. And sure. Okay. It, it, none of them like partnerships ended badly. I mean, good people, good experiences, but yeah, yeah. this is a whole new experience. This is, this is, this is those ones where I'm talking to Dave. Oh, I hope I didn't say something stupid where she doesn't want to do, do nothing with us anymore, <laughs> you know, type thing. But yeah, so we, but yeah, we all come from the same faith and, um, and, uh, and worked, you know, just worked together and, and we just kind of had the same goals and, and we've, yeah. So we just, it's been really good. Nice. Yeah. Image, so it helps. Yeah. That yeah. helps too. Yeah. There's no seniority or anything. <laughs> so why did you, why did you come together to, uh, come up with it's, it's birds. Oh crap. I just had it up. It's birds. Birds, bees, birds and bees farms. There we go. Got it. Birds and bees farms. So how did that come together? You started it. Well, it's, it started with, you know, Danae and I, you know, working with the kids and, and building up our land and, and the farm that we're on. And one of the things that Danae was really interested in was, was bees. Um, so, so we actually, we do have, we do raise bees on the farm as well. Um, and then. Then what happened a little bit later was we were we were talking about getting some chickens in order for us to basically just kind of start off with supplying our own our own household. Uh, we shared that with Emily, and then next thing I know, we're not just feeding our own family. We're it's turned into a business, and then when we got the chickens and the bees, that's what that's why the birds and the bees farms came about. Um, and then it just, we just, the, everything just kind of naturally came together with, 
with the partnership and with the business, and that's kind of how it started. The pigs just kind of happened. Yeah, that was that was Emily too. So <laughs> and I'll I'll so in the meantime, while they're doing all of this with the bees and stuff, my whole I had never been interested in entrepreneur anything in my whole entire life. I am very much a lone wolf type. I very much just kind of do my own thing in the background, and I don't really I'm not really branching out to other people, and like. It had been a spiritual impression of mine for the last probably six or eight months about possibly going into business. And there was another friend of mine like a year ago who suggested we go into business together, but she was really flaky about it. And I was like, I don't know. And um, I had really been thinking about it, but I thought, could I really do that? Like, I've never done anything like that. And that would be putting myself out there in a way that I've not really done. And um when then he came to me and said, you know, we're thinking about doing some eggs. Do you want to do some eggs together? I'm like, well, that'd be cool. And then like a week later, he said, you know, me and Danae have been praying about it. And we feel like we'd like to make this a business partnership. And I had been thinking the same thing. And honestly, I'm kind of surprised that they're talking, they're talking me up in terms of like business. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I have zero experience. Um, but apparently I'm well suited for it because we're really having fun. So yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 It's uh, sometimes you can, it's, it's okay that you're new to something because you have like different, you might find like a different way that works for you. That isn't like the traditional path instead of like, you know, something very structured, like, because nothing's guaranteed, right? You know, you could have a business plan and then it just falls apart anyways. So yeah, figure it out as you go. And some, everyone had to start sometime, right? So, yeah. did you want to add something to me? Um, uh, it's gone. <laughs> so why? So bees just for honey? Like, was there was there a reason behind the interest in bees? Well, my oldest and youngest are um, autistic, and I don't know if it's a coincidence or what. But they both have severe allergies, outdoor allergies, indoor allergies, just the point where I had an allergist who's like, you know, you're going to be tempted to want to put him in a bubble. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> and um, it's, uh, it's just been, it, it's been an ongoing issue that I'd always heard honey was like a great way to help um kind of inoculate yourself local honey and i'm like man it'd be perfect but honey was so expensive and our budget was always so tight like i don't know like but the only thing that made sense to me for years was having my own bees i mean i i like bees i'm not allergic to them i'm not afraid of them so i was like you know i could do it this is one of those things i could do and, um, I don't know. And I think just the fact, um, and the way I was raised and stuff, I felt like I could actually raise these bees and not get so emotionally attached to them. So that if I failed and they flew away or if they all just died, I probably wouldn't be too torn up about it. You know what I mean? Sure. You know? And, um. So it seems like a really safe, emotionally safe uh, way to start. And um, but I, it, just the whole experience has been crazy. I mean, there's so much involved. 
I mean, you have to learn a whole new language, like in all the different supplies. I'm still not sure how in the heck the whole extracting thing is supposed to work. So we'll figure that out, I guess, when we come to it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just been, it's so fun watching them. And I'm like, man, I need to get a GoPro or something. It's like stick it on my forehead. So when I'm getting in there, because it's not like you can sit there with your gloved hands when you got the beehive open and the bees are literally like swarming around you. And you're right. like, oh, that is so cool. I want to take pictures of her. <laughs> it doesn't work. But um, I will figure out a way, though. <laughs> is it like the headband GoPro will be our next acquisition. I got an old one you can have. <laughs> but so, yeah so that's that's what i'm looking forward to is being able to like there's just so many benefits to honey so and you have noticed uh a difference or at, are you do you have yet to um get your first batch of honey is like I've is this is the first season first okay yeah first but season this year i i talked to a woman because i've tried honey before in the past but I couldn't really tell a difference and come to find out there's an actual trick to using honey to help with your allergies. And the trick is you got to stir early. Like as soon as things start getting even kind of green, um, you got to mm. start the local honey. Okay. And so I bought a really big bottle of it from a local place called Andy's um, here in Union. And, um, uh, and, I started taking it like what the end of February or something oh, and like about a tablespoon a day, not a ton, you know, just instead of maple syrup, I'd put honey on my pancakes or, you know, or, you know, just casual. It wasn't like I was taking a spoonful of it and eating it, you know? And, um, man, this is the best spring I've had in forever. I think since I really to Missouri, I can breathe. I haven't taken a single dose of military or uh claritin since this whole year haven't had to take one and um that's wild it's been wonderful i've actually like can breathe yeah (laughs) so i'm trying to slowly get my kids taking it as well even though it's much later in the fall i'm like guys it works it works so i am so excited to have truly local honey for my own beehive to because i imagine how much better it'd be versus three towns away to have honey that literally from your backyard right so yeah pretty excited (laughs) so the the chickens that you guys have what what breed are they cinnamon queens cinnamon Oh, that's what you meant by that. I have I've yeah. never heard of that that breed before. So I'm like, I don't know what you're talking. I just like, okay, let's roll with it. Uh, Cinnamon Queen, got it. And so, what are they? Are they like good for your area or? Yeah. So I did some. So I was doing some research in the local area to kind of find out what people really enjoyed. Um, and the there's one particular individual that has really sold me on them. Um, that's all. He's he's. He's had multiple breeds of chickens over the years in our area. And he said that the cinnamon queen seemed to be really do really well um, in this area, not only in the sense of how much eggs they can produce, um, but also in the sense of how they could weather the tough, you know, the tough weathers out here. So um, 
and he's had and he's had no issues with them. So when we just so after doing that research, we decided let's start with that breed, um, and just and just start going forward with it and see what happens. How old are they now? Um, so we got April, let's see April, May, uh, April, May. They're just over two months. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, they're getting big. Yeah, so I think they're almost full grown now. They sure looking awfully full grown. I mean, they're getting the red in the face, and but they're pretty birds. Yeah, they are. Did you get them as chicks or pullets? Chicks. Chicks. That's a lot of work. We're gonna we're expecting uh, some chicks in like a week or two here. So, okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had a we we built it. We had a brood box and a and a place for them and um to put put them all in and um then we did then we had a a fun activity where once the chicken tractor was built we had everyone taking one chick at a time and putting them in the chicken tractor. <laughs> it, it took a little while. We got some video of it. We did all the TikTok and that video is on our TikTok. So yeah. nice. How many do you have right now? 24 24 yep yeah we only lost one chick out of the whole which kind of surprised me i was yeah i just like like mentally tried to prepare myself for losing more you know but so but i was being so careful with that um uh when we when we got so we we got 25 chicks we did start off with 25 and then, um, and we we're like, that would be a good test beginner run to get our feet wet, kind of see how things go. Um, and then, and then when we, when I, when we created the brood box, um, I was just wanting to be sure that one is that they couldn't get out. They couldn't get sick. We cleaned the brood box every day or once a week. Um, cause it's, it was, it's pretty big. It's, you know, it was like eight feet by two feet by two feet. Wow. Um, they had plenty of room to, to run. We had a uh, two 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 heat two heat lamp setups in there in case one went out. Um, it got when we got them, we were still in hitting below freezing temperatures out here. Um, so we would run both heat lamps at, in the in the we would run them both in the evening um, at that particular time. Um, and then we had a routine. and And the one thing that we did also do was we were being sure that we were getting the the chick medicated. Yeah, they got the medicated feed, feed. and that's what yeah. we—that's what we've continued to give them until um, until we move them to pellets. So there is the non-medicated, but talking to people out here, a lot of them seem to just really stick with the medicated. And I think by doing that along with the heat lamps and just keeping their water clean and and keeping the brood box clean and stuff is what helped us um, not lose not lose it. You know, just the one. And to the, and to this day, I really kind of think that the one chick, based on how it looked, I kind of I don't think that it it we lost it from sickness. Um, I actually think that they were in that in between stage of starting to flap their wings and it got trampled on by accident. Oh, weird yeah. storm that happened that night. Yeah, where they probably were scared and stuff and um, and whatnot. So with the thunder with the thunder and all that fun stuff. So. Uh, but yeah, so I really think that because of those things that we did, we, um, cause everyone kept saying, expect to lose, expect to lose a few every time we talk to somebody yep. and stuff. And I was just like, well, I want to do the best we can where we could say we did all we could. If something goes wrong, it was out of our control. It was just nature. So sure. Yeah. 
did you pick those chicks up? Oh, there I am. Uh, did you guys pick up those chicks from that local guy? Um, actually, it was a uh, it was a um, Buford Ag is the place that we go to. Um, they're uh, they're they. It's not only where they sell the chicks them during the season, a particular part of the season, but they also have their own um, their own mills for creating corn and or uh, not corn, but um, pellets and feed and stuff like that. Excellent. Yeah. One stop shop. Yeah. yeah. Any any plans to add uh meat birds in the future? We've talked about it. Yeah, we've talked about it. Um and we've it, talked about also breeding the chicks yeah. and selling the chicks as well. Yeah. Our brood box setup was really awesome and we're like we could easily quadruple our capacity and build them stacked. And yeah. so um yeah, so we're looking at those um uh, Trouble with living rural, of course, is if we wanted to do meat birds and we wanted to process them ourselves, the nearest USDA facility is Illinois. So mm. then we'd have to worry about transport and things like that if we wanted to go that route. But hey, you know, if we do it, then it gives me a reason to buy another truck and trailer. <laughs> <laughs> and we could rent our services and transport everybody else's live <laughs> birds over there to the facility and then make a little mat, uh, a little cash on the side. Yeah. I don't know yep. if it'd up an expensive truck and trailer, but yeah. I would we have a lot it. of birds. I would enjoy it though. <laughs> but yeah, we got enough space just in, just with the capacity that we have in the one building that we have enough space to, like, like Emily was saying is we could quadruple the amount of birds in there on the, on brood boxes and yeah and whatnot so yeah um do you guys not have a exemption for like uh yes under there a thousand is. birds something yeah, yeah. something yeah there is an exemption under so many so okay. usda um same thing with eggs like there's an exemption if people come to your house you don't have to and you under so many i have it written down somewhere then you know you don't have to go by all of the regulations and labeling laws so nope. nice yeah, just keep that number on a post-it note, like to avoid jail. <laughs> do not do not exceed this number. Yes, yeah. So, so you're still probably a couple months away from things hatching. What's the what's the and uh, I'm not even sure like when when are you supposed to do the uh, frames for the bees. Um. Like in like the early fall, late fall, something like that. So I picked up, well, we picked up the, they call it a nuke. So it's basically five frames with an entire hive in it and a queen. I, and we'd already bought an actual hive and stuff like that. So basically it's like a corrugated box with five frames in it. Mm -hmm. And you take it home and you put it in your, put the frames in the hive. And um, so we did that the same day. It actually went really smoothly. Um, it was a little scary because I didn't have a full suit. I just had the like this really old veil that I had gotten from a friend of mine who used to do beekeeping, and I had a hole in it. So there was a bee buzzing around inside the veil. <laughs> and I'm like, um, I am thin right now. Can I just say I'm so glad that she's doing the bee portion because that would not be me. Yeah, the rest of us were standing really far away watching her do this. Stay calm. Don't breathe. 
it was it was it was an experience. I was like, I am the queen of the queen. <laughs> That's funny. Can I just say, like, one thing that has really struck us as we've, you know, come together as a partnership and we're starting to build this is how unique each of our experiences and talents are that we each kind of fill a need that the other ones don't do so well. You know, the bees are her thing and she's so good at it. And like the social media stuff is my thing. They don't really want to deal with that, but I'm so good at it. He's the business guy. He's so good at that stuff. And we just, it's really cool that, you know, the different things that each one of us are good at is, you know, we're shoring each other up. I don't, I think we're really, uh, there's a really nice distribution of skill set here. Yeah. 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 yeah, that's a good way to do it. So there's no stepping on toes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting too, because it's like all the experiences we had up to this point, because I ran a web design business yep. for like a decade. And I'm, I'm like, wow, I've actually created a skill set that I can use now for our own business. And I don't have to deal with clients. <laughs> So bonus. <laughs> so then, who's gonna sell all the all the honey and the eggs? Probably not me. Well, <laughs> yeah. So we'll we'll have a one of us will. <laughs> Sounds like they'll be drawing straws. Doing all of the well, I'm doing the online promotion stuff, so that's easy enough for me to handle. And he's really he's the salesman of the group, um, and so he's already been talking with you know some of our local. Um, you know, we live in a very rural area, and so we have a lot of local one-stop shops. You know, the corner store that's also got hot meals that also you know you can buy chicken feet out the back and things like that. And so he's already been talking with our neighbors and, you know, our local supplies. So he's really, you know, the the person who's the on the ground type of thing. And um, I'm doing a lot of like the back end laying the work. And like she said, she does web design. So she's setting up, you know, the all of the certificates and stuff you need and the mechanisms to be able to, you know, do ordering online as well. So all the pretty stuff, like the pretty photo. stuff, yes, and the graphics and the, yeah. Again, which I'm so grateful she wants to do because I, yeah. but well, I'm yeah. glad all that is coming finally to some good use. So how's the interest been Eric on, um, stopping at these places? All for, for the goods. Yep. For the goods. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, the, the interest is there. In fact, I've got, I've got someone else, for example, that I've talked to that does, um, that I've got some ideas from that actually makes his living strict out here, strictly on just bee honey um, from beehives. And that's his whole living. Um, so we, we did a, we did a class with the, with the local community, the local community college, because we didn't want to kill the bees. <laughs> so we were trying to learn how we could. And man, the, it was such a good networking place for us to go um, and gather some information. We have some people that, um, that were were finding themselves up north from us that uh, are a little bit further along with some of their stuff with honey um but the person that's in the near nearby way everyone seems to really understand it um in regards to the need of it because of it's because of the the value of what honey has for them as individuals um like danae was talking about um with the with it helping with you know people with allergies if you're eating honey from the local area um and and knowing where the honey's coming from and knowing that the honey has 
different that you could see dark hunting and light hunting and understand what the differences between the two are and the, the season and that kind of tells you what those two are but yeah everyone and when we talk about you know the eggs um everyone seems to really want the fresh eggs um we 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 actually have some other people that's around us that already uses certain media ways to sell their the you know the the eggs that they have on theirs um and they always seem to sell out so hmm. um it seems to be a need um and and not just a need but a want um it really came it really came the the boost really came in after the last egg um shortages that were happening um not long ago because of the um the flu i don't know what they called the bird flu or whatever goes through that's not the actual um that goes through and it was making the big the big chicken farmers um flocks you know just basically almost become up, you know, they're gone. And, and, and when you have, when you lose a bunch of birds, I mean, as you probably know, you, it takes like six to eight months before they could even start your new birds could even start laying. So that's yep. a long time not to have any cash or not to have eggs on the shelf at a grocery store that people are used to going to. Um, and the, and as we saw, the egg prices just went sky high, right? Um, yeah. you know, because of that. So um, everyone seems to, the the it's so other than just the finance part it's also the community part and the health part for for eggs and honey in our area that seems to be a real um desire um for people to be involved in and find more up find more of it sure did you guys get a straight run of chicks or did they all get sexed beforehand they got sexed beforehand right we got all females yeah. yep yeah Okay, yeah. gotcha. And, and we were kind of, I was cut. We're we've been watching them, thinking, you know, is there <laughs> is there going to be an accidental rooster in this mix? <laughs> so, um, but so far, no, we haven't. We haven't. They all look like hens to me. They all, so. they, they all look like they're going to lay. So good, nice. Yeah. We we've got twenty five Rhode Island red Rhode Island Reds coming, and um, there's just going to be a straight run, so it's going to be like. 50 maybe 60 percent roosters and so we're just gonna like get them up to weight and then process them and throw them in the freezer maybe maybe keep one but we've got kind of like a mixed flock right now they're like between two and three years old uh and so we gotta like phase them out and get these get these new ones in so Oh, one thing we've talked about, so we live pretty rural, but we live not far from St. Louis, and there's a huge backyard chicken community in St. Louis, but none of them can keep roosters because they all live in St. Louis. And so they are giving them away for free constantly on Facebook, and we have talked about going and picking up a bunch of free roosters and then selling them for cash. So that's definitely a business opportunity we're considering. I, uh, a friend of mine, uh, he lives 15 minutes from here and I've had him on the podcast. They ended up putting an ad on Facebook saying we for, like, I think they gave him like a two week window. Like we will take your roosters. You have to drop them off, but you can drop them off here and we will take them. People were, he ended up with 70 roosters and the, it took them, uh, three no two or three days to process all of them so all that meat went right in their freezer Oof. and so it's just like did they process them on site mm-hmm. themselves first like oh that's yep. a lot of work. 
it it was like i uh i did not help i don't remember where i was but uh i would have helped but i don't remember what i was doing and uh that was oh. yes, that's I mean, that was a lot that was a lot it's a lot of work if you're doing it the old-fashioned way and you don't have the equipment because we have some friends here in missouri that actually live on the other side of the state um and our families got together one monday evening just to have some fun together and we he had six chickens and there was a mix of hands and roosters um that were going to be um slaughtered and plucked and refrigerated by the evening and we got to take one home so but when we did it and it was my first time ever doing it i and the the it was fun because we had a lot of manpower and we were watching things like chickens running around you know with their heads cut off and he was kind of sharing also that what he experienced was when he when he would um slaughter the chicken he had to do it out of the sight of the other chickens because they knew they picked up sure. what was happening and they would start getting kind of um fancy and yeah <laughs> right so um and it was interesting that you know to, to know that chickens were smart enough to really understand you know what was happening like that so um but yeah we went through the whole process and it was a lot of work so if you don't have the, the equipment like some of these you know even a mini size industrial type equipment just to do 70 chickens and you're doing it with hot water in a pot yeah yep. them and everything yep. else that is that's a lot of work yeah <laughs> we've got a uh poultry co-op out here it's meant for like small scale and like homestead type mm. uh, it's like it's 30 bucks a year i think for like a membership and then to rent the equipment is 50 bucks for three days i want to say so you get the scalder you get the scalder the plucker and something else like a processing table and kill cones or something like that i don't remember so like you get you get almost all the equipment to to do it all and yeah yeah we're, we're actually going out. So this Saturday we're checking out, we have a local association that does um, animal swaps and things. And so we're going to our first one on Saturday. And I think we're going to be checking out the associations that show up there and kind of what services they offer like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge, huge benefit. If you're, if you're doing, um, yeah. I doing that processing. Yeah. I didn't even, I didn't even know that was even an option. Yeah. Well, that's one of those things is the, is the equipment. It is. It's the equipment, you know. It's okay. yeah, because even like the stuff with the, with the, you know, I've been, we've been, you know, planning for the, for the beehive ex honey extraction, and I I've seen people do it by hand. It's just it's just as time consuming like if you did, you know, chickens by hand. So I'm just so I've already been looking around for equipment, and and sometimes we have equipment that I'm just like, man, we're only going to use this like a few times or whatever so we've already been talking to friends and neighbors like hey if you need to borrow this <laughs> you know if you i'd rather you use it instead of the seals going bad in the motor so yeah you know so, yeah that's a good way to do it yeah versus just sitting there and, and the seals rotting away so then not being being able to use it well and i remember on another podcast and i do not remember now who it was um a young man who lived in an apartment but he was talking about getting equipment and renting it out right and or I don't remember which podcast it was, but it was a podcast where they were talking about uh, 
perhaps investing in the equipment personally and then renting it out as a bit of a side income as a way to pay for it back. So that's definitely an option for the future. Yeah, that'd that'd be a good way to do it. And so like, um, it helps to have like that community too. So you're like, Hey, I know you, you, you've got this and that. And if you don't like, maybe somebody else knows somebody that can like hook you up with and make another connection. So really helps. So how, how I know you're just like getting started in this thing. So like, what, how big are you trying to make this thing? Like, what's your, what's your vision look like? Well, uh, I know for right now, of course, I still have children in high school. And so we have right now sort of a three to five year plan to grow. And then as soon as my kids are out of high school, we're wanting to look at buying a bigger property, more property, and then like sinking way more of our time and effort at that point into going, and hopefully by that time going full time, right. And being able to convert to that as being our main source of income. Um, So, yeah. And then as far as how big, I mean, the sky's the limit, right? Or yeah. having enough land and yeah, kind of just always buy more. Yeah, just kind of you know, there's the there's the vision of wanting to be a part of the community and help the community and and just be part of that network of the community with stuff that they could help us with, we could help them with, um, and and whatnot. But I think the you know as we as we grow, we're just kind of, we just kind of take it in steps. I mean, we have the vision of like Emily was saying of you know, a larger property, you know, making this full time, um, on all ends, you know, even to the point where, you know, I, I envision, you know, hiring high school students that are, you know, trying to save or, you know, you know, what interns that want to understand ag, um, you know, that are in college and need intern credit, you know, whatever it may be, um, to that, to that extent, um, with that. So, but at the, at the same time, we're, I'm also seeing it in phases. So the, our first phase is kind of like where we're at now. And then we're going to find out what works. And then we're going to continue doing what works. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think our I think our ultimate goal. So we have, there's a, quite a few, like you said, there's people around here that sell eggs, but they're not super organized. And then we have a few, especially up by the city, there's a few like tourism farms, right? where you can go and have the farm experience for a day. You can take your wedding photos out there. You can pet the cows, you know, things like that. And we don't want it to be either one of those. Like we, we, we want to be a farm, a actual working farm and not just a cute little tourist experience, but a farm that people can come to, to buy food. And we yeah. want to be organized and make it a proper business, not just selling off of our back porch, telling our Facebook friends, come get some eggs. I mean, which we will definitely be starting. Which I will also do. Yeah, but don't, don't get us wrong. Yeah, yeah. we'll be definitely. We're not about doing that, yeah. But, um, of course. But eventually, we, you know, we want to have, we want to be a name. We want to be a part of the community and we want everybody in the community to know that they can come to us for those things. So, yeah. And we, and we had, and, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, if, if people go as big as they want and, and we know, and we have friends that just have, you know, a few chickens. They don't want to go any further. They milk goats and, and, you know, et cetera. But they're more worried about gardening with food versus, you know, an, animal food. So, but then we have a few where, you know, they, we had, um, uh, friends of ours that we're all familiar with that, um, they've gotten older, they had chickens and stuff and they decided that they just decided not to do it anymore. Um, they decided just to set it aside. It was, it was 
they enjoyed what they did when they did it and they just kind of felt like they can't that it's just not in their in their life anymore where they could handle the workload or or it's not in the future plans with what they want to do so because they're changing um how they're doing things so you know it's i think i think everyone should you know give it a shot in their backyard it's a great time with the kids you know even if you have just two or three and and just kind of have the experience and and have that family experience with them and and if you have extra aches stick it on facebook or any kind of app and have people come over and, and and grab some but for but for us we definitely are looking at a very larger picture with the community uh, to be involved and and just to have that um, relationship with everyone so is that where the pigs come into play as well to like expand on so that was my idea that wasn't the, the reason why we're not called birds and bees and pigs is because <laughs> that wasn't the original plan but we had friends who had several pigs and they had two they were trying to get rid of before they um bred more pigs and so i said eric what do you think if we got a couple of pigs man and then in the springtime when they get fat we could just sell them and there's some cash right there and so now we have two pigs and so, and then we got a boy and a girl, so they might breed. And so now uh, the pig side of it is really just a cash flow option. So where we can just, you know, turn over the meat and or the live animals every spring. Yeah. So that was, yeah, when she brought that up, <laughs> she brought that up. I was like, okay, that's great. And then once I said, and I started thinking about, okay, we got to build a pig pen. Um, how do I water them? Where do I get their food? What kind of food do they need? And then I'll start because I've never owned pigs. And um, and so I'm talking to our friend that we're buying it from and kind of getting his ideas. And then, of course, I'm doing my own research to see what works for us. And um, next thing I know, I'm, I'm extremely thankful that I bought that one man auger last year because <laughs> digging holes for the fencing and stuff yeah. was a lot of work. And, um, you know, and, and we're still not that we I still have to do some other things for them and stuff. But the first thing was trying to hurry up and get and because. He was so afraid that his that the that um that the his the pigs that we got were gonna breed with with his that he was that were gonna become meat pigs. He's like, I can't have them get pregnant because they're coming close to being slaughtered, you know. Sure. I, and so um uh so and so the pressure was on and um and so to get this to get this built, but then the pressure was on when we had to go pick them up. <laughs> Uh, we, we had no means of picking them up. So, I was like, we could stick so, them in the back of my robe. Maybe. So, so where I was like, I was like, how I go, I, ha, I mean, we have a farm truck, right? And I have a trailer, but, but we don't, but it's not a farm truck and a trailer that you could just like throw the pigs in the back and put a leash on them and go. <laughs> so, so I was like, how are we going to do this? So, um, I went over there. And our Honda Pilot, and, and these pigs aren't full grown yet; they're like six months. But they're they still, okay, but they enough. but they grew from the last week that I saw them. <laughs> and and I get there, and my my our our, our friend that's there that's we're buying the pigs from, and his buddy who's a who's also big time farmer, um and stuff. He came over to help us, and he was like, "That's not gonna work," and I was like. <laughs> And he kind of told me why. And I was like, okay, well, it's, I, so we came up with some other ideas. Like, and the idea was I needed to make some type of crate for them. 
So, sure. So, yep. so what ended up happening was we ended up making this crate. Him and him and his high school senior. Until we, yeah, we stayed up to eleven o'clock on a Friday night because we were picking up Sunday, Saturday morning, and we were out there. We had the high, you know the big five hundred watt halogen lights on us because we couldn't see in the dark. And we and we were out there, and, you know. But this was the great thing about farming. This was this is part of farming, you know, the, these experiences. And and we put this crate together, and he goes, "Hey, he goes, we got that." He goes, "We got that um, fencing that we used to use for. We had a big dog um, that passed away some time ago, but and we had this big fencing that we used for his for his area." And I was like, "Yeah, we could use that." So we we took it around the all the we took it around. We sealed everything up. And then we put it in the back of the truck and it barely fit. I mean, it was so big. And I thought we were going to only be able to take one pig, but we ended up bringing both back at the same time. But it took oh. it took four of us. Uh, six, technically. Two girls in the middle, too. Well, it took four of us to load them oh. in the crate oh. when we were there because they didn't want to go in. Even when we put the food in, they would oh, like, right. they realized what was happening and they would try to run yeah. out. And trying to stop a 150-pound pig that's charging, trying to get out, um, it's it's pretty brutal. So, what well, didn't help? You were worried about hurting. I was pig. I was worried about hurting the pig because there was one point all I had that was only accessible to my hand was its snout, <laughs> and I was just like, if I push on that, I could hurt it, and I don't want to hurt the pig, and then it'd be angry with me because then it's like every time I feed them, it's still going to be angry with me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, understandable. Yep. I didn't want it to think that I'm its enemy, right? So at the get go, and I'm like introducing myself to this pig that is trying to get. I'm trying to force it into a crate. But the cool thing was, once it was done, then we had we once it was done, we got the pigs in the back of the truck, and the moment that truck started, both pigs calmed down, mm. calm as could be. They didn't try to get out. They didn't. They just went along for the ride. When we got to the property, it took. Um, was it was it six? It people? was six of it was four men on the corners and two girls on the sides. So, so that was eight. No, like one girl on either side and then four guys at the corner. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So we un so we unloaded them and then the we we well first we measured the base of the crate because I made the base of the crate so that um there was handles so we could pick up the crate with them in it and walk them into the walk them into the into the hog pen. Or pig pen. So, but when we got when I got there, I go, you know what? Before we move this, we better measure the fence and the and the the gate and the gate, the gate that we're trying to push this in. Because I go, there's no way we're chasing these guys. <laughs> so I so luckily I only had to cut off two inches on each side, and we were able to pick them up and take them right into the pig pen, shut the gate, open it up, and let them out. And it went really smooth. Well, how the pig pen was. Is very large. It's very large. So I was yeah, like, they gotta have a lot of room. Okay. That's one thing I learned from my father, not in a good way, was that you're gonna have pigs and you need to be far away from the house and the pen needs to be big. They need plenty of space. Otherwise it's big. Well they got yeah. And and Danae's been she's been so proud of the pig. She goes, This is not how I remember pigs pins being when I was growing up. <laughs> And I was like, I must have did something right, but it's so. It really is. So now we have two pigs. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's uh, that was the the experience of Emily's venture with bringing pigs on board. 
It sounds like it was your idea, Emily, and then Eric got stuck with all the work. <laughs> well, about that. So Eric gets stuck with a lot of work, and we talked about how we have a division of labor. So he's the guy, and he's the one who has all the experience with building things. And luckily, they also have two older boys, 18, and how old's Isaac? 23. 23. Okay. And so that he is, but they, they have been our muscle, like, the whole way. And so, like, we got to give a lot of props to him. He he built the, the brooder box. We all work together to build two chicken tractors. We all work together to build the pig pen. But he's, a, I mean, he's the real MVP because, yeah, he's the one who's doing a lot of the physical stuff and kind of directing us as to what to do on the sure. physical stuff. Yeah. And I still haven't lost any weight. <laughs> that comes later. They, I, <laughs> I got to build up to it. Yeah. Build, you know, I'm not, you know, building them fast enough or something. <laughs> what? Uh, what what is the breed of pig that you ended up with? Uh, Kunas, Cooney Coonies. Yep. Nice. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, both of them. And 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 he was sharing with us the person that we bought them from. Um, he 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 did his research before he he got or daring why he was getting into it, I guess. And he had shared how they're um they they they're just good overall pigs to have because of their temperament mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot so and and he goes and then on top of that they do produce a good amount of food um in regards that i mean you could get them you know like 400 pounds and and it produces quite a bit of food so but he's like he was like he shared with us his experience because he had one pig that um he um he was he kind of was attached to it was his first one and he took it to the butcher. Oh yeah. And when he took it to the butcher, he said it was really hard for him, but he did do it. And that pig, he said, was four hundred pounds. And he said, um, he goes, it was. He goes, he treated it like a dog. I mean, he would just call it, and it would come, and he would take the, he would take. He goes, they're food driven, so you just take the food and you put it in there. But he was like, here's your last meal type thing, as he was taking it to the butcher. <laughs> It's up, and the pig was completely obeying him out of trust, and then he had a slaughter, sure. you know. So, so he kind of shared that experience and stuff, and 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 whatnot. So, um, but I was really, um, I don't know, proud is the right word for it, but um, that he, I, I, yeah, I was proud of how he he went through with it. Like you know, sure. this is what the he, this was the purpose. And he knew how to at least get at some point, have the experience enough just to cut it off so he can do what he wanted to do. And that was fill his freezer. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the difference between maybe some of these big places and what we want to do, what we've seen a lot of our friends do is animals get treated really well. Yeah. You know, they have space, they have plenty of food, they have, you know, they can take care of themselves in a way that's more natural, you know, and um, that's kind of, that was really important to me in particular, because I've seen what it looks like when the animals don't really get what they need, you know, and right, um, just know, just being able to know, we, you know, it is worth the extra effort and you know extra time and even the extra money 
to make sure that they're, the animals have a really good life while they're here because, you know, they're going to sacrifice their lives later for us. So gosh darn it, man, make, make the time they've got good, you know? But it's also for the people too, the people that are taking care of them as well to have that because it doesn't become... It, it stays homesteading. It doesn't become an industrial yeah. type atmosphere where you're just going to work. Yeah. You know, so the idea is to, you know, when you're having that care for them um, with that, it's, it's a, it is a two-way street. They, the animal benefit from it. The people that are farming are benefiting from it um, as well on an emotional and a mental level um, when you get out there and you're able to do stuff with them. So you, when you and it turned into an industrial work, I mean, it's no different than going to, a cubicle in a corporate office or um or any other job where you're just kind of going and laboring and then wanting to go home and and whatnot so there's a there's a satisfaction to homesteading in that in that manner right yeah i actually just had to uh dispatch a chicken last night so like it um it was acting really weird i thought it was one thing turns out it was um something called water belly and yeah, you can't, you can't actually treat it. Like all you can really do is like drain it and it's probably going to come back. And so the best thing you can do is just, uh, just get rid of it. And so, man, uh, like I had it in like an Epsom, like I didn't know what it was at first. And so I'm like, I don't know if like the first it had like all this like caked on like poop on it and stuff. And so like we got that cleaned up and put it like an Epsom salt, like warm bath, like, you know, five gallon bucket, just let it sit there for 10 minutes, whatever. And, um, and then gave it like its own water dish, got a heat lamp for it because it's wet and it still gets to like 45 here at night. So you don't like, it would just get cold and then probably die. And it looked like it was getting better, but then it got worse. And so I just had to get rid of it last night. Oh, wow. Yeah, just kind of like a kind of like a mercy killing. Just, yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah. It's, it's the worst part of it. So you must be way up north. Um, I'm in Montana. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. So yep. almost yeah. almost in Idaho. Okay. All right, yeah. Yeah. So, I know about where you're at. Yeah, yeah, south of Missoula, if you know where that is. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, For work, huh? Yeah. A couple last questions here, and then we can uh, then we can wrap up. So your your business, like you met through your church. So how do you integrate your faith in your business? Like, what does that look like? Mm. Um, yeah, that was very important for us. So, um, in our faith, we do believe in revelation and in the gift of the Holy ghost. And so, and we feel, um, a personal responsibility to seek that revelation, I guess you would say. And so one of the, the very first thing we did, even after he invited is that we all prayed about it. We all went our separate ways and we prayed about it and to see if we felt like that was the right direction. And every business decision we've made, we've made on using prayer and considering, you know, um, service is a big deal in our church, serving our community and serving each other. Um, Danae was talking about um, 
what were you saying earlier about when you're when you're doing right you know you're oh what were you saying? um well um i think people don't think about this very often but when you are running a business and you run the business for the right reason the right way and you know especially when you're divinely inspired to do it and i think a lot of people are and don't even realize it when they have a passion and they feel a calling to do something that's the spirit guiding them to do that you know that business or that service or whatever um and and to fill that role in society and uh i think it really does so running a business can absolutely um, help you understand God a little better and help you create a, a closer relationship with him and help a lot of people along the way. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, it's, it's a wonderful, positive, um, creative process that building a business can be if you do it right. Yeah. So we, we definitely, that's important to us to involve, um, God in all of our decisions and, um, we're doing this with a focus on community and family and building those relationships. And so like Danae said, you know, if you're doing it for the right reasons, I think, you know, you could just do a lot of good in the world. So yes, we're building a business. Yes. We're wanting to be able to provide for our own families, but we want it to be meaningful. Like, uh, Eric said, we don't want to just be punching a clock. We could do that just as well on our day jobs, which we're doing now. So, <laughs> I, you know, what, what good is that doing the world? Just sitting there behind a keyboard, right? Right. Yeah. No, there's, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I think that's, that's a good focus for sure. Yeah. A lot of, um, so like all the, all when we, you know, as we're building our business plans and stuff like that, when we talk about each individual section of that particular part, we have, you know, pretty deep discussions about it. We, you know, we pray about it. We have our impressions on it. Um, and it's, and it's, and it's to be sure that, um, that we're not only blessing our own lives with our efforts, but also blessing the lives of others and having, and where they could, you know, even if they only came over, we have what's called like a homestead day. Um, we have people that come over and, and, and there, and it builds a little bit of community and people learn some skills and, and they, they, you know, we had one particular person that came over and, and was extremely excited that she got to run a skill saw. I mean, <laughs> not a skill saw, but a, um, a, a miter saw, um, you know, and, and, you know, those, you know, just those types of things when they, when they go away and they're feeling good about um, what they experienced. And, and so it's not even so always about the end product. It's just about, you know, where can someone be blessed? And even if it's only for 30 seconds, what was it that, how we did, how did we touch them? Um, in this process. So our business plan is very, is very down that road um, to be sure that we're, we're keeping that in mind. Um, but at the same time, you know, we got it, we still like, and we were saying we're still building a business. So, um, but it's going to be in such a way that um, people want to be here. People don't want, you know, not, be, you know, and if they, and if, and if they decide that they want to not be here, um, they'll still leave, hopefully they'll still leave with a smile on their face and say, you know what, there was a good life experience, just like the experiences you heard from all three of us from the time that we were little until now, hopefully this will be that one experience. And as people get older or they change, um, paths in their own lives, that it'll, it'll somehow benefit them. Yeah. I think that, you know, 
making making food as like an experience for people is like a as like a good like connection to you know it means something more so yeah and if i can say as well you know we just with the increase in technology and personal devices you know we become more and more granulated and insulated and insular and um that sense of community and family is kind of being lost and so not just even food but the experience as he was saying of um people working together working outdoors having a, an ex a social experience either with community or friends or family and so it's just yeah that's that's you know trying to build that sense that's kind of being lost a little bit i think yeah yeah i agree so was there anything uh that we didn't cover that you wanted to wanted to talk about so we read so we read the questions together separately and then together just before this so i i think i think we i think we covered some of the high points that we that we all talked about but i think one of the things that we didn't cover that i think that we are all kind of excited about is what's worked and what hasn't worked yes okay let's get into it let's get into it all right <laughs> so who wants to go first i'll do the easy one the hog pen i'll take the easy one that one we were so excited at how we did. We posted a lot of pictures on Twitter. There's and so, um, and like you said, it was kind of a last minute deal. And by the from the time we said we'll take the pigs, we had like two, maybe three weeks to get this thing built. So their property here is uh, three and a half acres, and half the half acre is like down at the base of the hill in a forest. So we carved. It, what is it? Sixteen, um, eight by sixteen, or sixteen by thirty-two? It's sixteen by thirty-two. A sixteen, we we carved out a sixteen by thirty-two section of that forest. We had a bunch of teenagers, and we all just like tore that thing up. He had the one-man auger, and so he bore all of those holes, and we put those posts in. And I mean, in less than three weeks, between all of us, we had a yep. whole entire hog pen built, and it is built to withstand. I mean, those pigs will never get out unless yeah. someone leaves the gate open. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, I would say we, I think we're probably most proud of that accomplishment. And it's so pleasant going out to the pig pen because we got a nice little path that we carved into the we, Yeah, we even carved a path through the forest. Yeah. Huh? And we, you know, and you walk in and the honeysuckle, the smell of honeysuckle is what just hits you in the face as you walk into the forest. And then you literally have to be right up to the gate before you start smelling those pigs. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even that bad. I can yeah. tell you, pigs can just smell horrible if you got too many and too small of a pen. But it really isn't that bad. Yeah. And so I, I would just like, this is perfect. This is exactly the scenario, perfect scenario yeah. for pigs. You yeah. big pen in the middle of the forest, far away from your house, like a whole acre away from your house. And covered by honeysuckle i mean yeah 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 it's great so yeah that that i i just say pretty proud of that whole setup and i had very little to do with it but yeah. i'm still pretty happy yeah. about it <laughs> all right so you got to tell them about your feeding and watering system yeah chicken tractors the big fail <laughs> the big fail and the and the big success yeah. there's a there's a yeah. fail and in success yeah 
So, so, you know, we did a lot of research and got a lot of different ideas from different people in regards to chicken coops versus chicken tractors, the different types of chicken tractors, all these different things. And I was just like, well, um, some of the, I, I loved a lot of the stuff that I've seen and, and, and we talked about it. We had put it on the big screen and, and, and discuss it. And then it got to the point where I was just like, well, none of these really work for us. So we engineered what worked for us by taking the ideas of the stuff that we have learned. And I could say that one of the things that in regards to the success and the failure of these chicken tractors, the success was the, was the watering system, because what I didn't want to do was, you know, again, you know, I love being around the chickens. I could call them sweet babies and they come running to me. <laughs> and, and, but I don't, but when you have to get up and, feed and water them multiple times, you know, a day, you kind of want to make it where it's enjoyable and easier, especially when you have to start thinking about winter and you got snow and stuff like that. So I was like, well, I don't want to have to get into the chicken tractor every day. So how do I make it where I can quickly feed and water them from outside the tractor? And what we did was this create is bought PVC pipes and we had a uh, we have a PVC pipe that goes down like a stack with a 90 degree angle with another PVC pipe, and we bought the um, we bought the uh, the chicken nipples for watering, and we stuck them in there. Works fantastic. Works really good. The chickens love it. Uh, it did it. You know they knew right away how to how to use them. The chicken feeder side not so good. So, <laughs> it I. I did two different things and, and granted we're talking about a chicken tractor that right now has 24 chickens in it because we're, we haven't moved them to the other, the other half to the other tractor yet. Cause it's not done. So I'm like trying to, I'm, and, and I was, when I was doing, it, I was like, it, so I did the chicken feeder and it fell apart twice. And, and, and I had it, did it two different ways. The first time, the feed wouldn't go all the way down. I mean, I, I mean, I had a feeder that was probably, I'm trying to look at the camera, probably about four, you know, about two and a half, two feet or so um, long because, you know, 24 chickens, when one starts to eat, right. they all want to eat, you know, type thing. And they're not trampling over each other. So, um, so I was like, well, I did that, but then it, it worked well the first run through, but when you kept trying to refill it, it wouldn't go all the way down. So I was like, well, this isn't going to work. So we tried another way. Well, then it was kind of like stuck in the air and it was like, and then one day I was messing with it and it fell apart inside the chicken tractor. And I was like, crap, I got to go inside and get it now. <laughs> so um, luckily my daughter came out and helped. So I didn't have to go in. And so, but um, so yeah, those were probably when it comes to the, the watering system and stuff um, and the feeding, those were the, the, my two biggest successes and fails. Um, cause it took a lot of figuring out how to make it work. And, um, for the actual feeder, um, just kind of just came to the realization, um, it just needs to be a little bit smaller. Um, and we're going to end up spending the chickens anyway. So it'll be more, it'll be adaptable to them. I'll just trying to make it work for 24 when the chicken tractor isn't big enough really to be able to make a feeder that functions properly that large. So we basically just stuck with the, with the regular chicken feeder that you kind of buy at the store and it's, you know, it's got the, the two, it's just hanging there from the top of the chicken tractor so I can yeah. move it and it doesn't drag, but, um, but it's easy to reach in and just fill it. So, um, without having to get inside the, without having to get inside the whole chicken tractor, but 
so yeah, um, those are some of our successes and our failures. I don't know. We had a lot more successes than failures. So yeah, and that um, and if anyone else is thinking about doing it, you kind of came to the agreement. Do your research, but just start. You really have to kind of do your research and then start because you're going to have no idea until you actually yeah you get yeah going. yeah so um you know just you know pick one and pick one and start with it and then you know we've seen other people that spent almost nothing on chicken tractors and then i i saw one guy that made a chicken tractor out of nothing but metal and it was like so heavy to move right and they realized that wasn't great. So we decided not to use it anymore, but they wanted it to last forever. So, um, but they had, they completely went a different direction, but, um, you know, and this was stuff that, you know, research and people we talked to. So, but yeah. Yeah. You just kind of have to get started because there's just some stuff you don't figure out until you're in the middle of doing it. And then you're like, Oh, that, that doesn't work that way now. Does it? So at least not for us. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, we'll have some plans. We'll put some plans on the website, some of the stuff that we did. So if it works for someone, they like the plan, they could purchase the plans or whatnot, build their own tractors from wherever they're at. Yeah, once you get the feeder fixed. Once you get the feeder feeder fixed. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, so that way they could could do their own thing and and have something. Because there's a lot of ideas out there. um, And uh, there's a lot of things for sale, like at the retail places. But it it seemed to be better just to, um, purchase the material. And I think that was my second, my second challenge, um, overall was, uh, purchasing material, finding the feed, you know, at a good price, where can I go get it? What kind of feed do I need? Um, those type of research, those type of things were my biggest challenges when we started this. Yeah. Even if you were to buy a like prefab, chicken coop, chicken tractor, anything like that, I'm sure you'd have to make modifications to it anyways. Like the simplest things like always need, always need fine tuning. Like mm-hmm. it's never just the water. It's never just the, like, it's never just the feeder. Like it, you always got to like figure out like a way to make it better. Like I use a deer feeder to distribute um, chicken feed and I still hate that thing. And it's supposed to be easy. <laughs> well, Gotcha. Yeah. I, at the end of like the hunting season last year, deer were jumping my fence. I mean, it's only four foot tall, so it's like nothing to them. And they were getting their face right in there and eating right out of the deer feeder when it wasn't like, yeah, I get it. It's a deer feeder, but there's chicken feed in it. And so like, and so they are just like licking that little, it's like, it's just like a little motor that like spins and throws the feed everywhere. And so like, there'd be like a big old pile on the ground. The chickens would eat that. The deer would be eating right out of the thing. And so I had to make like, I had to make a cage to keep the deer out. And I like, I'm not even kidding. I was on my deck. I was throwing rocks at them to like get them. I hit them in the head twice and they still... They still came back to eat out of this stinking thing. So, so what you're saying is you also raise deer. I guess. I I kind of wish I didn't sell my bow. I should have just like, I actually, I called the neighbor over because he's got a bow and it's legal. Like, okay. and so, uh, yeah, he, he took a shot right off my deck and uh, got one of them. So one out of six. <laughs> Five more to go. Oh, that hurt. It is bad. 
Yeah. 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 We've got a we've got a herd that comes through too. They walk the back of our our property line on our on our side and they go in the woods during the winter during hunting season and they go in our woods and hide out and sleep there and you could see all the evidence you know sitting there and whatnot and then and then but uh, we're kind of you know i would have to use a bow just because we're kind of for a high-piled rifle it's not really safe um and and where we're at so but uh yeah but we're just like you know what we'll just we'll just let them hide out here so they had somewhere to go and i know that there's plenty of other deer yeah there's plenty because yeah because there's there's lots of land around us that people own that, you know, is much larger than our property um, and whatnot. And I'm sure they had plenty of, uh, you know, deer over there. So They are a little obnoxious because sometimes they eat my plants. Yeah. We learned that the first year. They, right out of my garden. They, uh, they took like everything from the stalks up. They just took everything. <laughs> Brutal. I love poor plants. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're annoying. They're a nuisance more, more, most of the time. So. But yeah, this has been awesome. I'm going to have links to all your stuff in the show notes. Uh, otherwise, it is arms.com. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time to interview yeah. us. We appreciate having a good conversation. This was yes. a lot of fun. So are you looking to do this with other people? or? Oh, yeah, hey, he does do it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah this is like number 52 or something like that. This, this is in as be number fifty-two for me. I think. We're fifty-two. Gotcha. We're number fifty-two. Yeah. Well, good to know. Yeah. I know. I well, seldom they need to listen to the guy yeah. Alaska interview. Like, man, I love listening to that guy's stories. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta have Mac. These, uh, there's there's so many other stories of his that I oh, wish yeah. I wish I, I could I hear. Probably never run out of stories there. I would want. I do want to go visit him someday. That would be awesome. Yeah. So we'll have to put like 52 somewhere, like on our site or something, and we'll kind of all know what that means. <laughs> we'll just put it, it'll just be like 52 just randomly on the website in different pages. <laughs> I am Matt DeRosier of Farm Hop Life. Thanks for watching. Don't forget to subscribe and visit farmhoplife.com. Inside of the city, the people are crazy. Out of their minds, they ain't got a clue. Headed west for Montana Left family and friends All I got now is you We both got new jobs A host and a homestead Thinking this was the life All that there'd be After our firstborn You had to stay home That's when the work got in the way for me well, I started Farm Hop Life. We'll come to your farm to help and to wander. Me and the family, a truck and an RV, send us a message and there will